0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I have no idea why the intro song, like, sped its way through at the end, uh, but it did, and it was actually kind of cool. Mike is unmuted. He has joined us. Uh, Michael, how are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm fine. How are you?
0: Positive cast. Everyone's Positive happy. cast. Everybody is happy for the positive cast. Uh, this is the eighth official episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts. Mike and I are... Finding our way with this thing, I want to give a big thank you, as I do every week, to everybody who comes in and downloads and listens and comments. We would super super appreciate anyone who subscribes to us on iTunes and slash or uh, leaves us a nice comment and a nice rating. Mike is giving out hugs for those of you that do that. You can uh, redeem that in sure. the mail. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Uh, if you have not seen, this is the All Positive Podcast, an idea born from the sick and twisted mind of Michael Murphy, who thought we were a little doom and gloom. Can't say I necessarily disagree with him. We, uh, we've we been a little doom and gloom of late with this team. And as Mike was telling me before the show officially began, it's a good thing the Rangers played some competent hockey yesterday in their 4-2 to two win over the Florida Panthers because we could talk about stuff like that because it's positive. So, Mike, I am. Uh, we really don't have much of a a blueprint for what this is going to look like. I will let you kick into gear. Do you want to take this caller who's been holding since before we, uh, before we even started? Let's let's reward the loyalty and take the caller, yeah, I guess. I agree. I think we should reward the loyalty. 203, you are on bantering the blue shirts. Who's this? Uh,
2: this is, uh, it's, I can't spell good on um, bantering the blue shirts, but I'm Matt. You guys can just call me that. It's we have our, uh, is, hi guys. Matt's, second
0: call into bantering the blue shirts i don't know if it's in as many weeks but i think matt actually called in on the ill-fated we lost mike show so matt yeah that, that was me we have mike here as well so here are the yeah. rules you can't say anything negative because if you say something negative i have can't to hang up on i made that threat but you can literally talk about anything positive with the new york rangers i was actually going to give an example before we began but there are certain players who have been named in this podcast in a negative light quite a bit, and Dan Girardi would be one of them. You can still talk mm-hmm. about Dan Girardi. He has very beautiful eyes. I think that's a fair thing to say. He he yeah. has. Um,
2: Mike, what was it? Um, like uh, glacial donuts.
0: Oh, glacial pools donuts.
2: Pools of unicorn milk. Okay, well.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful glacial donuts.
0: He, you the know line what? of a gladiator since we're, we're praising Mm Girardi here, I I like his toughness and I like that. He's essentially a robot who never gets injured. Mm -hmm. Even when he takes the like, horrific horrific injuries Mm -hmm. that would sway any man's Mm -hmm. livelihood. Bless you. Um, And he survives. So, Matt, I did not mean to hijack you. Go ahead, my friend. What do you want to talk about from a positive nature on the All Positive Podcast? Um, yeah,
2: from a, from a positive view. So there are a couple of Rangers players who I think are big positive influences. Uh, J.T. Miller is the first one that comes to mind. I'm not going to jump into that, though, because we're probably going to take some more callers. I'm going to talk instead about something that I don't think a lot of people are aware of, which is some of the amazing prospects that the Rangers have. I want to get into that a little bit because I – follow prospects very closely it's just one of those things that I'm pretty into and there are a couple of prospects that I wanted to bring to your guys' attention uh so there we have some high profile prospects like Pavel Buknovich, sorry Pavel um who's been doing very well for a 20 year old and the KHL moved over from a really crappy team in Severstal to the SKA St. Petersburg a, a much more high profile team kind of like the Rangers of the KHL and he's been doing there he's in the playoffs. Uh, the two prospects I want to talk the most about, though, are, are two goaltender, two goaltender prospects, actually. One of whom is relatively high profile, Igor Shestorkin, also on SKA St. Petersburg. And the other is a goalie prospect that not a lot of people are aware of. And that's Adam Huska. So the first thing I'll get into with uh, Shestorkin he has really, and I mean really demonstrated that he is our top goaltending prospect right now. Mackenzie Skapsky uh, had a big hip surgery during the off season, and he's seen some pretty poor numbers. He's kind of been bouncing around between the AHL and the uh, Greenville Swamp Rabbits, which are the ECHL team. That's the league below the AHL, for those of you who don't follow it at all, uh, the, the minor league system. Igor Shesterkin, on the other hand, he's playing, he started out This year in the I believe VHL, which is the AHL of the KHL, and was putting up some pretty insane numbers. He was rocking about a point nine five zero save percentage. I want to say like a somewhere around like a one point two five goals against average. Really kind of actually better than that
0: that. in the VHL. He played twenty five games. He had a one point one nine goals against average and a nine fifty four save percentage in twenty five vhl games but continued
2: did not yeah, make yeah so interrupt. it wasn't a small sample size i mean it was clear he had nothing left to prove down there that was i was following it early on and i i remember i was there, there are a couple of prospect friends a couple of friends i have who are also in the prospects and i remember screaming at them "Well, they just let him play in the khl already but they did finally give him a chance he started off very strong he i believe went three games and was like it was like shutout and either two games with one goal against or two shutouts in a game with one goal against something really absurd he got goaltender of the month uh so he came out with a very strong and then he kind of simmered down had a i think a couple three or four goal games and so i don't have the stats in front of me but his numbers did taper off a little i think he ended up bouncing back down and maybe has come back up it's it's been hard to follow their situation since they're in the playoffs now I'm not sure who's doing the goaltending because Elite Prospects hasn't been updating as often as I'd like. I did get a chance to watch a a, a little bit of a KHL game, though, because I found a streaming site online that um, shows both NHL hockey games as well as hockey games from around the world. Uh, not too much I can say on his playing style. Other than that, it's it's very anarchic. A lot of it's kind of like Hashik, one of those he outthinks every single other person on the ice. So, a really exciting guy. And the other guy I want to talk a lot about because I feel like he doesn't get nearly as much attention as he deserves is Adam Huska. He is a Slovakian 18 year old goaltender. He was drafted in the seventh round in last year's draft. Um, and one of the things that really caught my eye was he was playing in the USHL, which is it's a, similar to the the CHL leagues, which are the junior leagues for Canada, except that they're in the United States. So definitely not as good competition, but still a pretty high-profile organization that will put up some respectable talent.
0: Yeah, those uh, players he, usually go to college. You'll see guys go to the USHL for a year and then um, go to whatever college they choose, Quinnipiacs. Best player, mm-hmm. Sam Addis, uh played for the Phantoms in the Show before mm-hmm. jumping over to Quinnipiac. So you will see a lot of those guys do that. I'm not actually sure Huska's motives and what he wants to do. Uh, I'll let you finish your thought, Matt. But for those of you where the name kind of sounds familiar, he was Slovakia's goalie in the World Juniors. Uh, he mm-hmm. went up against Alexi Sorella who we will not talk about because this is the positive podcast a couple of times yes. and played lights out hey, against Canada and a couple of, of the bigger teams there. So if you're thinking, Oh, I've, I've heard that name before. That's where you've heard it from. He was uh, one of the standouts mm-hmm. of the world juniors this year.
2: Yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to cap off my Huska summary with that, but the first thing I wanted to get to, cause this is kind of where he started off was with USHL so the the competition there it's it's a mix of it's it's similar to the CHL in that it's you know usually got 16, 17, 18 year old sometimes 19 year olds I think they have players older than that but I'm not sure so don't quote me on that but I believe most of the competition is 17, 18 and 19 years old and then as you said they tend to go on and play college after that it's a preparation league he was putting up some pretty crazy numbers they weren't the numbers that Sesterkin was putting up, putting up, which was in a more competitive league, but it was like .94 save percentage, one you know, 1.5 goals against average. I mean, the, the kind of numbers that made me say, "Oh, wow, he's he's definitely ready to move on to a to a set of more competitive competition." Then yeah. he went. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm I'm just gonna because cause he starts off very strong and then goes to World Juniors, and I was able to watch the game for the World Juniors a uh, couple of notes his numbers do not look stellar if you go to elite prospects it's like 0.899 save percentage um i want to say it was around 3.0 goals against average I, I wish i had the numbers off the top of my head but i don't i don't have them in in front of me so i'm i'm kind of just you're pretty close um uh, spitballing here however those numbers are misleading because if you look at it from a game by game basis which is what i did i believe he started off against like belarus where he had um if I wanna say he had a shutout. It was but Belarus was one of those was it? It was it was an easy team that really didn't have much business being in the tournament. Played very well there, few mistakes, but again, team wasn't putting up a lot of effort. Then he played against the Czech Republic and I don't remember the outcome of that game, but he looked pretty strong. I wanna say he gave up between zero and two goals. Um, you might want to fact check me on that, but it was I remember it was a good performance, and it was one of the things one of the things I noticed about him is he has very good reflexes and is a very athletic guy who um moves around he wasn't forced to make a lot of athletic saves, but it was clear that the competition was right at the level of Slovakia, plus it was Czech Republic versus Slovakia, so there was a big rivalry factor there and when he was called to step up, he definitely stepped up and he could see. The puck while he was tracking it well. A lot of the outside shots, when there were screens set up, he was able to deflect it. His one issue is he has poor rebound control. He overshoots his angles, and he will, he's, you know, when when there's a low shot that goes off the pads, there's usually a juicy rebound there. But that is, um, since we're talking about positives, those are things that when you have the greatest goaltender, goaltending coach in the world, in, um, oh my goodness, his name escapes me. Benoit Allaire. Benoit Allaire, Benoit thank you. Uh, when you have Benoit Allaire as a goaltending coach, he's the kind of guy who can really, you know, help you set up a, a a personal system so that you can kind of just go to perfection. That's how Henrik Lundqvist does. Every day is a routine for him. He's got to make sure that he's doing the so reason it's, he's it's the greatest goaltender in the world.
0: I'm glad you brought this up, Matt, because. Huska was widely considered to be a, a throwaway pick when the Rangers made the selection for him last year. I think it was mm-hmm. one of those who is that picks that the Rangers made, and he was made at the recommendation of Allaire. Um, Igor Sheshkin. Can Shestrin. I have one tiny note? Sure, go ahead. Just one,
2: one tiny note. Another person who they thought was a throwaway pick was Sergei Ziborovsky. They were like, he was completely off the boards. Why are we selecting him in the third round? He I has actually done people. pretty well. He almost made the Russian junior team so positive note he's putting up good numbers in the whl this year it's all yeah there's
0: it's the gordy clark factor when you come to the draft is a really big part of this and i think igor and i'm going to call him igor because I'm, i'm going to butcher his last name and that's not fun uh was another pick that i think a lot of people looked at as a throwaway the rangers had picked Brandon Halverson in two rounds before they took him. And a lot of people were confused why the Rangers made two selections about for goaltenders after Mackenzie Skatsky had been picked the year before. And what essentially happened was the Rangers revolutionized their goaltending system from nothing to three very quality guys. And I think the point is, as always, Benoit Wallair does not get enough good press for what he does for this team. He turned First of all, Henrik Lundqvist is an exceptional talent. He's one of the guys that you build a team around, generational talent-type player. But he's been made better by Alaire. He talks about how Alaire helps him become better. And I think if you look at the, the troops of backup goaltenders that come through here, and Steve Valliquette uh, is probably someone, I think he's very active in social media and talking to the fans, and we're going to try to get him on a show at some point. But when, if and when that happens, I'd be very curious to hear what he has to say about what Allaire does in the background, because you look at what Cam Talbot turned into, you look at what Antti Ranta is right now, and you just think to yourself, there's nothing this man can't mold. He's like the the sculptor of the gods when it comes to goaltenders. And these picks were made at his recommendation, and there's something here. There's something you can see. I think there was quite a bit of outrage that the Rangers didn't use their seventh round pick on some of the, the fallers who some of the smaller players who slipped their way through the draft, but Huska definitely impressed in the world juniors. His numbers are ridiculous in the USHL like you'd expect them to be um, in terms of the KHL. There's definitely been a playing time disparity. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys do, but if you follow uh, AJ underscore Ranger, his name is Alex Nunn. He is the residential European prospect connoisseur of blue shirt banter he has a lot of problems with the fact that Sheshkaran was really kind of forced to play in the VHL. And when he did come up to the KHL, he was great and he was doing a good job. And they still didn't, uh, they didn't really give him those opportunities, but I think that it's a really good point to bring up. I I think the goaltending system the Rangers have right now is miles ahead of where it was three years ago. And again, this is the positive podcast. So you don't want to talk about Lundqvist being 34 years old, but there's definitely a need to have a Prince behind the King to take over the throne. And the Rangers Absolutely. have at least two players who you'd think right now you could definitely see some investment being in. And then of the four of them, Skafsky and, and Halverson included, you'd have to assume you got at least one guy there who can do the job. Uh, I mean, Skavsky obviously getting injured wasn't ideal. He's had his ups and downs, but he played pretty well in the, the NHL games that he got last year, and hopefully it's just a blip on the radar. But, Mike, I do want to get you involved just on our curiosity-based question. Do do you, A lot of people talk about Benoit Lair? There was a rumor last year, I think it was, in Elliott Friedman's 30 Thoughts column that Arizona tried to lure him away from New York, and he refused. Uh, do you think Lair gets enough press about just how damn good of a job he's done for this team? No, I think he's...
1: I think it's one of those things where it's easy for a guy who has that super specialization role, and especially you don't see him behind the bench. You know, it's not like Arneel or Olf where you see them and they do, you know, between-period interviews. When you hear about Allaire, it's always, you know, when there's allusions to him, when he's being referenced. Um, very much behind the scenes in that sense. But, you know, something that I just wanted to tag on to um, all the thoughts with with all this, you know, this goaltending prospect stuff is, you know, it's something I don't think that can ever be overvalued or overstated how valuable it is to produce good young goaltenders. And if there's a singular trait that your team can have, a position where you make, you know, where you make a lot of it and you make a lot of good of it, I'm not sure you can do better than goaltending just because of what a young, a goaltender like a Cam Talbot can demand in the open market. I mean, it's it's an awkward way to build a team just through trading away, you know, uh, what you specialize in producing. But it's not exactly a terrible thing to be good at. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know there's a case for producing, you know, and doing you know, the way that uh, Detroit scouts European players and things like that. But uh, you know, thinking about just how good Hank is and, you know, how frequently he credits and mentions Alaire, should give us all a real understanding of just how important Benoit Allaire has been to the process and the success of the team. And, you know, I don't think anyone expected Auntie Ranta to be just as good as he's been. And, you know, we talk so frequently, you know, when we're negative on this podcast, which we're not doing today. Hopefully. Um, about you know the Rangers' struggles with possession and how often they have to lean on their goaltenders, and the crazy thing is, is that more often than not, the goaltenders can bear the weight. You know, both Ranta and Lunquist have been exceptional, and a big part of that is not only that they're just talented, and it's great that they're a part of this team, but also because we have someone like Alaire, and that's the sort of Thing that doesn't show up, you know, on generalfanager.com when we're trying to understand, you know, just how good or bad teams are and things like that. You know, having an asset like Alaire as part of the organization goes a long way to towards this team's continued success. And uh, I don't think he can really ever get enough press, but he's also one of those things where I'm not sure I want him to get too much press because then other teams will start to covet him more, more than they already do. So.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> The conversation in the chat right now is that you know, a couple of people are arguing that Husco was not a throwaway pick per se. I actually agree with that. I don't think the team looked at it as a, a throwaway pick. What I, I look at really the sixth and seventh round is your real flyers. That's where you, you take best player on the board or most talent on the board, and, and there's definitely guys who slip down the ranks that – I, I think are maybe not something an NHL team wants to take a risk on. There are players who you see come through. Usually they're European. Uh, the, a lot of guys from the KHL, some of the younger kids, won't get drafted at all. And then the next year they'll come in and they'll get taken in the third round. His, his name is I think it's Slepshev on Edmonton had that happen. I think he, he went through two whole drafts yeah, without getting picked and then he was taking taken in the third round. To me, your sixth and seventh round picks are your throwaway picks. That's where you take the flyer on those guys because at the very worst, nothing comes of it. And uh, I, I don't remember his name, but the Rangers picked a defenseman passion in, I want to say. Uh, I don't even know if he's still in the system, but he was the number one overall pick in the first KHL draft. Uh, ever held a couple of years ago, he was a defenseman who I, I think at this point is a uh, maybe a role player in the KHL. But those are the guys that you use those picks on. Those are the That's why I called it a throwaway pick. I, I think the Rangers knew damn well what they were doing with him. And obviously when you have a guy like Benoit Wallair who's giving you guidance and Gordy Clark, who probably one of the best guys in the business at developing late round talent, it's never a throwaway around pick, but I think they've done a, a pretty miraculous job. Uh Matt, thank you, because that was an avenue that I was not anticipating going down, but from a positive standpoint that is uh yeah, that was very good. So I appreciate that, buddy. Anything else you want to throw out there before we let you go?
2: Um I well, I, I also wanted to touch up on it's some brief stuff about some of the other prospects. Ryan Gropp who's he's basically scoring point per game right now. He does have Matthew Bartzall who was um sixteenth overall pick in the draft last year he's supposed to be one of those top yeah, 5 100. talents that was injured and slipped down so a very good center but he's still producing point per game pace uh Robin Kovacs has been doing well he's in uh, the 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 SHL is like Sweden's top league he's in Allsvenskan which is like the AHL of that he's been putting up good numbers so our skaters are still putting up good numbers but uh Bucknovich is still our our top skater our our, our top skating prospect and for good reason, putting up good numbers. So the, the skaters are looking pretty good, too. That was all the last bit I wanted to add. Well,
0: well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate the call. That was, uh, that was very no informative. Problem. I appreciate, I appreciate, being appreciate a it, with buddy. You guys. It, it's good to have the loyal followers, wouldn't you say, Mike, who uh, who pop on and, and help us have this yeah. conversation or, or push this along. Kevin is a, a little negative on Ryan Gropp. I'm actually not – my issues with Ryan Gropp, and this is going to toe the line of negativity, but – Uh, It's really not. I think Ryan Gropp is a fine prospect, I think. So here's, let me start from the beginning. Ryan Gropp was the player that the Rangers selected with the pick they got from Anaheim for Carl Haglund last summer, in addition to Emerson Edom. There were a few players on the board that mainly um, Sprong, who ended up getting drafted by Pittsburgh, and Killjorn, I think, who I believe got drafted by Calgary, the defenseman, who were mid first round pick rated players who fell that deep in the draft. And the Rangers passed on them because they were so high on Gropp. They actually gave Gropp their sixth highest ranking in the draft last year. So of all the players that were available, they thought he was the sixth best player and they were, quite clearly thrilled to grab him at 41. I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem. The drawbacks from him is he's probably the oldest player in the draft. He missed the being eligible for the draft the year before by one day. So he's not an overage, but he's basically an overage and he is playing with one of the better prospects in the WHL. But for all that being said, he's a goal scorer. He has an elite shot and the Rangers are banking on that this year. And he's a big body. And, reminds you of rick nash i'm not saying he's going to become rick nash but i understand why the rangers are intrigued by him but i'm not low on him because of him i just think there may have been better players that the rangers could have selected with that pick but we're not going to go into that because we're being positive um positive. matt matt also talked about robin kovacs who's probably my favorite prospect outside of Buchnevich. I, I really think that Kovacs is the the type of player that you want to take those risks on. Adam Herman said it when you get to the later rounds of the draft, you should probably go with Swedish players because they're usually great skaters, very intelligent. The systems there just breed players like that. Detroit is a great example. And Kovacs is a goal scorer. He really is. And right now, uh, AIK, which is the team he's on, which like Matt alluded to, is basically the second tier of the SHL. It's the AHL. Um, of that league are they won the league. So now they are playing the bottom ranked team in the SHL. And if they win that series, they earn a promotion to the top league and Kovacs had 34 points in 44 games. He won player of the year for the second year in a row in that league. He scored the game winning goal in the final game to win the league. And his numbers are actually ahead of where Philip Forsberg's numbers were on a pace standpoint when Philip Forsberg was a second-year player in the SHL second tier. So he is a player that I am really, really excited about. Alex Nunn is really excited about him. Uh, I don't think anybody goes above where Buchnevich is right now, but he's a a very close second. Mike, who is your favorite podcast – or podcast – who is your favorite prospect in the system?
1: Uh, it's tough to say. It's probably Booch, um, and I think that's the case only because um, you know we we talk a lot about how important it is to put up the you know the sort of numbers that you can put up in European leagues playing against men, and how and how important that is. You know, when when we look at the numbers that you know guys like McDavid and stuff put in the, the Canadian junior leagues, and you know when you think of you know, players in Europe having to play in the, you know, the SEL and, you know, the KHL and stuff and how they compete against, you know, grown men. And, you know, a lot of times people don't value that as much as they should. And sometimes, obviously, they overvalue it. But uh, I look at Bucinevic and uh, especially after, you know, the Eric Stahl trade and everything about how close, I think, this team might have been to losing him. And uh, just... You know there's a lot of there's a lot of young guys on on the team currently that are that are interesting in terms of what their potential could be uh in terms of being offensive players you know with you know Kevin Hayes although obviously he wasn't a Rangers draft pick and you know I think Oscar Lindbergh, when you look at his primary assist numbers uh per 60 minutes it's very promising and you know JT Miller and Kreider, obviously but uh I think Buchnevich represents just that raw talent and skill um, with the big body and the big frame and the good speed where it's, it's something that it's very, it's, I think it's really easy to get excited about, but I also think that people are getting excited, excited about the right guy this time. And, uh, you know, it's not quite, it's a little bit different than getting excited about Evgeny Grachev. And then all of us kind of waiting around and wondering where, where Evgeny Grachev went, but, uh, yeah, I think it's. I think Buchnevich is probably at the top of my list. i have also been excited about uh, Brady Shea for a while, but it's it's an interesting thing to think of where Shea might break in, and uh, you know we've got to see him a little bit this year at the NHL level, and um, you know he's. I don't know. I, I'm being when I when I do play hockey, I play defense, so I always have a soft spot for D, and I think that it's tricky to evaluate defensemen especially young defensemen, and when they reach their potential. But I I consider those two to be at the top, which I know is not very exciting because they're both very well-known. But uh, what about you? Who's on the top of your list?
0: I'd say Bucinavich probably is, and I think the reasons are, for all the reasons that you named, uh, in the age of social media, Chris Kreider was probably the most hyped prospect the Rangers have ever had. Uh, I think back a lot to again, we're going to toe the line here, the tragic death of Alexei Sharapanov as probably, Mm. you know, when you think about, and first of all, it's obviously a terrible tragedy. It's not about hockey at that point. It's about a family that lost a a 17 year old son and a guy that Yarmir Yager was actually mentoring during his three year stint in the KHL. But um, I, I think that, he was one of the guys who you really looked at in the European leagues and thought, oh, my God, this is someone who's going to make a huge difference. He broke Ovechkin's records, Buret's records, and then died tragically from a, an enlarged heart and very sad story. But uh, when you look at Buchnevich and you look at what he's doing, I think you touched it. He's doing it against men. He's doing it in a league where – it's probably the second or maybe third best hockey league in the world, depending on the day and, and the talent. He's basically yeah, like playing he's in good. the NHL just in Russia and he's dominating. And SKA, they're a team that has so much talent that they can afford to sit guys like him. And everybody waits their turn and you have a ton of talent. And these guys just, it's one of the dominant teams out there. So to force a 20 year old in doesn't make a ton of sense, but when he does play, he does special things with the puck. And like I said, in today's world of social media, you can follow Alex Nunn on Twitter and just jump on and take a look at some of the things he's done. And you look at the numbers that he's produced and the growth that he's had. And it's really hard not to be excited about him. I think we all overvalue our prospects. I think it's something that all fans do, but uh, you'd have to consider him a a blue chip player, a, a top line guy in the future that you can see. And, just you see some of the things from him that you really want to see from your top prospects. And the Florida Panthers talked about it when they drafted Barkov uh, two years ago, but they said if he played in the juniors, he would have dominated. And it's hard not to imagine that if Buchnevich is putting up these numbers in the KHL, he wouldn't be dominant in the Q or the OHL or the WHL. So I think you look at players like him, and again, this is a testament to Gordy Clark and company who do an unbelievable job. Of bringing in late round talent. Uh, I mean, the Rangers turned two third round picks in Anthony Duclair and Alexi Sorella into Keith Yandel and Eric Stahl. I mean, that's not bad work. It's as much as you hate to lose those guys. It just goes to show you what you can do with a competent drafting system. And it, it's just something that I don't think gets talked about enough. And I think every year there's always, oh, who are the Rangers picking? Who is that guy? And Ryan Gropp was one of them. Sergey Zabrowski was one of them this year. And sometimes Gordy Clark just puts his hand up and says, shut your mouth and let me do my thing. And Buchnevich is one of those moments. Duclair was one of those moments. Kovacs is one of those moments. So uh, I'm I'm very happy with him. I'm very excited to see Shea. I I think I'm a little bit more, I don't want to say down on Shea. I just, uh, I'm concerned about, how the Rangers are going to use him. There was a a comment Jeff Gordon made about replacing Keith Yandel. If the Rangers can't keep him. And he mentioned Shea and that's not a positive podcast aspect of things because you look at it and you think, well, how is Shea going to replicate that type of offense? But Shea's numbers in the AHL are very similar to what McDonough's numbers were in the AHL. if not a little bit better. He's considered to be a a Ryan McDonough light when the Rangers drafted him, a great skater. He's got a ton of speed. He's, He's great at jumping in the play. He'll fit perfectly in, a, in Vigneault's system, and I think that's a big part of why the Rangers covet him so much. But you do have to just take into consideration the fact that he has to be given playing time and opportunities, and all things that you don't talk about on a positive podcast. So, so I, I, will, uh, okay. I will make an argument that the Rangers don't have a ton of top talent. They they probably have two A prospects in uh, Bouchenevich and Shea. They probably have two. Potentially a prospects in Kovacs and Sheshkirin. Um, and then I, I kind of put Gropp and the rest of them, even Ryan Graves and them in that level behind. So, but you might look at that as a negative. The Rangers have so much youth on the core of this team. JT Miller, Derek Stepan, I'm including him in that. Ryan McDonough as well. Um, Jesper Fast, Oscar Lindberg, Kevin Hayes. These are, are young guys who are making a, a big impact. And the core of the Rangers is very young. They're one of the older teams in the league, but they're way down at the top uh, from a couple of players in the damn boils of the world. And uh, I just think that the Rangers, you don't have to have that many tier one prospects unless you have mm-hmm. a lot of veterans on your team that you need to replace. And the Rangers are thankfully not in that position. So I, I definitely, I think it's a good thing. I think the Rangers are in a good place. And I, I think, considering they have not had a first round pick in three years and won't have one either this year or next year, depending on which one they give to Arizona for the Yandel trade, the Rangers have done a marvelous job at replenishing what they've lost through the draft and through unsigned free agents at the college level. And Kevin Hayes is is a part of that. So hats off to them, honestly. Uh, well, that was, that was good. That was good prospects talk. We were going to get into them because of my love for uh, Robin Kovacs, but uh, is there a new avenue you want to take, Mike? I'll put you on the spot in in the positive podcast.
1: I know, know. Uh, we were talking a bit before the show and, uh, you know, looking – obviously we could talk – we could go crazy and talk about the fact that Tanner Glass scored a goal, albeit an empty net one. But I was going to talk about uh, just how good Victor Stahlberg has been. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk. We've done a lot of talk about the players that uh, – Gorton has kind of inherited uh, the contracts he's inherited from Sather, and we won't mention those names because we don't want to do things like that. This is a positive but, uh, podcast. Yeah, positive podcast. Uh, but, you know, look at Stahlberg and the investment that he was with. I think he's 1.1 in the cap, um, just for the one-year deal. And, you know, we talk a lot about how in the bottom six, he's just, he's a nightmare matchup. But more importantly, he's a guy. You know, I I wouldn't blink if we put Stahlberg on the power play, and he certainly feels like a guy who should be killing penalties. And you know, it's, I don't want to mention the fact that the Rangers have one of the worst penalty killing units in the league because once again, that's not that's not positive. Um, but you know, talk about we can talk a bit a bit about the the signing of Stahlberg and what he's meant to the team. I mean. How impressed have you been with what he's brought to the team and when he's moved up in the lineup and, you know, the, the goal he had against Florida is just yet another example of, you know, when he's, he does have the thing, I think where, you know, it's kind of there's consistency issues with his game where you're not always sure what he's going to give you on any given night, but when he's on, he changes the outcomes of games and, Having a guy like that stashed away in your bottom six is a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, those are the players that you look for or contenders look for at the trade deadline. And they're guys who really get overlooked come July 1st. And it doesn't make sense to me that a guy like Lee Stempniak needs to sign a PTO tryout to even get a contract with the oh, Devils. or. Light it up. I mean, Daniel Winnick uh, keeps getting second round picks traded for him and keeps signing back in Toronto. <laughs> and look at what the Rangers did with Benoit Puyat. Look at what they did last year with Lee Stempniak. And look at what they're doing this year with Victor Stahlberg. Those guys make an enormous difference. And Stahlberg has been a, a very pleasant surprise. He's a guy who put up 44 points as a, his career high. He's not that old, He's he's in his late 20s, but he's got some wheels on him. And it's not just the goal that he scored yesterday. It's also the breakaway opportunity that he had. It's what he does in the defensive zone. Statistically, he's one of the Rangers' best penalty killers, and he's done all this being shoved up and down the lineup and not really having his role defined by by uh, Elaine Migno. And we can't really talk about that because it's not that's not very positive. But he's done some great things with some less than ideal line line mates, and I think him and Dominic Moore are sixty six percent of an unbelievable. Fourth line, uh depending yeah. on who else gets slotted in there. And, you know, Glass played well yesterday. So let's call a spade a spade. There's definitely more bad days than good days, but when he has a good day, he had a good day. And I think it's one of the unsung heroes, really, in what Gordon did this summer was bringing in a guy like Victor Stahlberg under the radar, someone hopefully the Rangers can keep on, and someone who can really do it all. And I agree with you. I don't don't think I'd be thrilled if he went on the power play, considering who the Rangers would probably be sitting to do so, but he's a guy who you could put there and expect to get something out of. And I think it's definitely, it's good to see the Rangers still investing in those players because they do make a difference and you're seeing the difference right now. And if he's been everything in the
1: point of the point of, you know, there's been a lot of worry and discussion and debate about some of the contracts on this team, and we have to remember that a great, great many of these contracts are Glenn Sather contracts. And when we, you know, we turn our attention to the fact that someone like Stahlberg is, uh, you know, a Gordon signing, it's it's something that I think we can look at as a positive sign for what this team will be able to do. Because as important as it is to hit your home runs with your big contracts and to make sure you make sound investments, and you, know, you and I talked briefly about. Just how beautiful a thing Ryan McDonough's contract is. You know, there's so much and, talk about and
0: Matt Zuccarello's and all that, yeah, all that good stuff.
1: There's so much focus and negative focus on you know on players that we won't get into, but you know those contracts could hurt so much more if guys like Zuccarello and McDonough were getting paid like players that are just as valuable to them as they are are getting paid in other on other teams in the league that we have those guys at insane bargains like Ryan McDonough makes has less than a $5 million cap hit. That's crazy. I mean, you know, plenty of people talk about Tavares's cap hit and uh, for good reason, but McDonough's contract is one of the most team friendly in the league. And when we talk about someone like Brady Shea being a Ryan McDonough light, that's, that should be music to all of our ears is, you know, a versatile player like that. And, uh you know, we can think of just how valuable McDonough is. And, you know, there are times when, you know, he doesn't look great. And there are times when, you know, we, we can get concerned about his play and things like that. But we have to remember that he's had to make, you know, he's had to make a go of it with not exactly the best defensive partner for the vast majority podcast. of the time. Positive podcast. Um, positive podcast. But, you know, it's it's an important point I think to this positive podcast is you know, we kind of get magnetically drawn to these guys who it's easy to you know, to burn them and to talk about how bad they are, but there are players that are so good, like the McDonald's of the team and the Zuccarellos and the Stahlbergs, um, that they make up for it most nights. Yeah. To the tune of because, the Rangers having the record they do. And that's a big deal. And those players should get the positive press and should be celebrated for their accomplishments, whether they're good possession players or, you know, it's whether it's things like what Rick Nash does when he's not scoring goals, which is everything. But I know the only thing people want to talk about is the goals he doesn't score in the playoffs. But, you know, Rick Nash scoring a goal is a big deal. It's a good thing. And I agree. You know, that that, uh, that road trip in California was spooky. You and I talked about how spooky it was before it happened, and sure enough, it looked pretty spooky. But uh, Florida's a good team, and I know that's still a, a strange thing for some people to hear and believe, but the Panthers play good hockey, and the Rangers looked great against them. And I think that's something uh, maybe things turning around when they should start turning around, given the time of year it is.
3: I
0: could not agree with any of that more. We have two callers. Uh, we're going to try to get you both on before we shut down. So apologize, but please make it quick. 732, you have been unmuted first. You're on blue sh- or bantering the blue shirts. Who's this? This is 50. Oh, 50. Oh, oh boy. I, Here we go. Positive podcast. don't you know sound positive at all, 50. What? I just is- want to say what an awesome experience. If, if you ever have a chance
1: to go to Madison Square Garden and see the Rangers, what an awesome experience it is.
3: Well, well, that's pretty, you, know, you go there
1: just just the experience of walking around with all those fans with the jerseys on and chanting after a goal and meeting other fans and the giveaways and the atmosphere is just it's just absolutely awesome. If you ever get the chance
0: to do it, you gotta do it, as you guys know. Well, fifty, that it's- was Fantastic. I'm glad you said that, actually, and I, I might touch Didn't on that in a over minute. Here, 50. That I'm going to let you go just so I can grab this other the other caller okay. before we get to you. Call in earlier next time. You don't have to wait till 841 when you make things difficult <laughs> on us. Um, 203, you are unmuted and on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this?
3: Uh, hey, Joe. Mike, uh, my name's Dan. Uh, I go by i Green on the website.
0: Oh, he was this was the yolo comment cuz you're actually you're calling in there's this debate in the comments <laughs> as to whether or not people are going to call in but glad to have you you jumped into the water the water's fine uh let's hear it you you've been thinking about it for 40 minutes what is the positive contribution to the positive podcast
3: um i just um this just popped into my mind uh, what your guys thoughts are on the uh Stevie McDonald x jefford award the voting's going on um i'm sure you guys can probably debate that a little bit. I know it, um we're about to get cut off, but um into the uh the Tony podcast time, I'm sure you guys can uh throw that around a little bit.
0: God um, I love uh, when people are, bring those references up. It's that's like being in a warm bath. That is fantastic. Uh yeah, you are gonna get dropped so why don't you we will talk about that. Very quickly give us who your winner would be. Yeah, who's
1: your winner
0: uh,
3: you know I mean you could you know obviously put Henrik down that's you know, for my money, kind of the, I don't want to say easy, but I mean, definitely kind of hands down. No one would argue with, with that, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. I, I, I want to say, um, what about Yandel? You know, we, uh, there's a lot that's been talked about, obviously his, um, him stepping up, uh, when McDonough went down and, um, you know, taking, making the most of his opportunities, uh, in that time. And, uh, you know, there's some stretches where, um, you know, it'll kind of be like ho hum, another uh, primary power play assist for Andros. So, um, uh, just going to throw that one out there.
0: Yeah, well, I uh, let's let's actually dig into that a little bit because I did want to talk about it. Thank you for calling in. I think you're going to get booted, but that's I a great really point. Yeah, I like that. Call in earlier next time. See, we don't we don't bite. This is uh, a only good <laughs> I, fun. I, I, I t- Oh, we uh, we lost him. I apologize for that. He cut him off. But uh, before we just went into the extra time, I was going to tell everybody that you could listen and have fun. And thank you for listening. But no one is listening anymore. Uh, OK, so Stephen McDonald's Extra Effort Award is, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, Stephen McDonald's was a New York City police officer who was shot in the line of duty and was paralyzed. So every year the Rangers honor him and they bring him and his son who became a police officer. And it's, I I don't want to say it's cool, but um, he, you've really watched him grow up because he comes to the event and you see him in pictures and he was a little kid when it first started happening. And now he's a grown man. And, uh, but it's a great event. It's a great award to give out. It raises awareness about the, that the police go through and every year there's a selection for the extra effort player and I think the selection of Henrik Lundqvist is not an easy one I don't think Lundqvist is number one and I think he's he works harder than anybody else out there so I, I like the idea of Yandel too but here if I have to pick a winner and this is me guessing I think Kevin Klein wins I think Klein is the winner this year I would have also no issues since we spoke with him. I'd give it to Tanner Glass too. Uh, it's, this is not an award about uh, this is not an award about talent. This is not an award about skill. You're just talking about people who give extra efforts, and I don't think anybody can question Glass's effort. I, I don't think anybody can question what he's willing to do for the team. So he's the type of player that you look at when you look at these types of awards, but. Uh, I, for my money, I think Klein is going to win. I think he's done enough this year. I think he's been involved in enough. His resurgence has been a huge part of the Rangers success to this point. And he deserves it. I I really do. I think he's going to be the guy that walks away with it. What do you think, Mike?
1: Um, Well, I think I'm going to, and I'm heavily influenced because of the last game, but someone I don't think gets talked about enough for this. And I, I have to admit, I love both the idea of Klein or, Klein, Hank, and Yandel. I mean, when things are going poorly, but we won't talk about that, uh, <laughs> on the Rangers bench, Yandel is one of those players who's vocal. You know, he's he's banging his stick. He's trying to get the team fired up. And, you know, those guys, that matters, that the, the team has guys like that. And you talk about a guy who's a good soldier that's kind of endured a lot of nonsense this season with uh, how he was used and everything. And then, you know, when the team asked him to be, oh, by the way, can you be Keith Handel? And, you know, of course he was. But um, a guy whose name popped in my head is Broussard. Um, Ooh, Broussard sticking one. up for Broussard sticking up for glass in the Panthers game was, you know, when it was happening, I was saying to myself, you know, dear God, what are you doing? Your hands are so valuable. But um, I was also touched by the fact that, that says a lot about what glass means to the locker room, and it also says a hell of a lot about what being a Ranger means to Broussard. And, you know, I know he's a very popular player on Rangers Twitter and social media. You know, fans really are attached to Broussard. Um, And I think he's one of those guys where being a Ranger really means a lot to him. You know, since he's become a Ranger, his career turned around. And that doesn't happen very often, especially with younger guys who are supposed to be you know, something special, you know, he was, he never really blossomed in Columbus. And then, you know, he came over and obviously the big trade and you know, since he's been a ranger, he's been a really special player. And I know I'm really just referencing the one play, but Broussard doesn't take shifts off. You know, he's, he's a very special guy to the team. And, uh you know, I, I can't pretend that isn't also true for Klein and glass in terms of, you know, what they do off the ice and, you know, between shifts when they're on the bench, getting the team going and what they're willing to do for the team. Cause that's, that's really a big part of this award is, you know, you think of this award and, you know, the guys who come in your head are you know, Callahan's and, you know, uh, uh, Prust, you know, guys who would just jump in front of a shot, you know, do anything they have to do. And I think that's why if I had to pick who could get it, um, I might suggest uh, Girardi. Um, it seems like an award that, as um, a sort of player that, you know, he's kind of, a lot of the things he does well are kind of not a part of the team's identity anymore, but a lot of those things are a part of what that award is about. And so if, if I had to pick, I would probably go Broussard. Um But for who I would put money on, I would put uh put money on Girardi.
0: Oh, you'd put money on Girardi. That's uh, Girardi's an interesting, so I, I just looked up the winners and I am incorrect. Hendrik Lundquist did win one. In two thousand five, mm. two thousand six, they started giving out the award in ninety seven, or excuse me, eighty seven, eighty eight, where Jan Eriksson won. So that gives you at least a little bit of an idea of how far back this goes. what I was referencing about his uh, his son, who really has grown up uh, in these these photos, and it's it's sad and also well, it's somewhat. It's a special daring.
1: award, I think, because it's it plays a big part of the culture of. New York Rangers hockey and being a New York Rangers fan it's the it's one of those awards where if you're not a Rangers fan and you hear that it doesn't mean anything to you but if you're a Rangers fan it means everything to you and I think that's why it holds such a special place in the hearts of Rangers fans because you know for most of the people who are probably listening this you know and you know not to be exclusionary to listeners and supporters like 50 and Tony and stuff, but. You know, you grew up with that award being a very special award. It meant something really special. And for, uh, you know, I always call them the dark years, but we won't talk about them, positive podcast.
0: Uh, uh, I can't hear you, Mike. I don't know if you got muted or uh, if you were dropped. I'll try to bring you back. But uh, to Mike's point, the point he was talking about before, the the winners have really run the gambit they've So I'm taking a look here. Adam Graves has won it one, two, three, four, five times. Sandy McCarthy won it two years in a row in 2000 to 2001, 2001 to 2002. Matthew Barnaby, Jed Ortmeier, Henrik Lundqvist and Jed Ortmeier. That is just a trip down memory lane right there. Then we go Callahan, Callahan, Prust, Callahan, Callahan, Zuccarello, and then Talbot won it last year. So there's definitely you, – you have the skill player in Zuccarello. Mark Messier won it twice back in a time when he, you were allowed to be a little bit more physical uh, as a player. Wayne Gretzky won it once. Uh, John Van Beesbroek and Kelly Kissio shared the award in 89-90. So I could definitely – I really do think Klein is going to win this year. I could see Lundquist winning. I could see Tanner Glass winning. Uh, I could see – Derek Broussard winning. And I I agree with you, Mike. I don't know if you can still hear me, but um, can you hear me? Just let me know if you're there. You cannot. So we, we've lost Mike. That's very depressing, but at least it happened at the end of the show. Um, So I I just think that the it just runs the gambit and I could see Broussard winning. I think what Broussard did the other night was awesome. I think fighting to stick up for Tanner glass was, was really cool. And it was, not something you'd expect to see, but definitely something you like to see. It means something to be a New York Ranger. Um, I apologize for losing, Mike, but uh, this is sort of the end of the podcast. The last thing I wanted to say is Jim Ramsey, just the guy I want to name, is probably the best uh, athletic trainer out there in any sport. and He's often taken on the Canadian teams in the Olympics and uh, maybe the World Cup, too. So He's another guy who doesn't really get any recognition, but certainly deserves it uh so this was good this is the positive podcast i think mike would agree if, if he was here um i, I want to thank all of you for listening again please 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 subscribe to us on itunes give us a five-star rating and say something nice about us there you can find me at anything slash Shirt banter just at blueshirtbanter.com mike at dig deep bsb on twitter at Blue Shirt banter blueshirtbanter.com slash riveters and today's slap shot, You can also – Adam Herman is upset because we thought goalies without him, but you can find him uh, on Twitter as well. You can find him at the site. He's going to release his uh, prospect ranking at some point, but he's Adam Z. Herman on Twitter. Uh, Thank you for all of you guys who called in. Thank you for all of you guys who continue to download the show. I hope you are enjoying it as much as we are, and we'll see you next week. It won't be the positive podcast, but Mike and I will uh, figure out what we're going to do there. So thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it, and we will uh, see you next time.